Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show, the best Tuesday you have had all week. I know you've been looking forward to this, as have we. Matt, thanks for joining me as always. Oh, yeah. Ready and, to go. You know, we're, the, the markets have snuck up a little bit. They have, and they've consistently been doing that for a few weeks now. Right? I mean, th- people are even threatening to say things like, maybe the worst is behind us. Mm-hmm. That's a jinx stat, by the way. Yeah. Uh, speaking of jinx stats, let me remind everybody listening today, not only will this be recorded, so you can check out our podcast on our webpage at littlejohnfs.com, newly updated, I might add. So mm-hmm. that'll be fun for you to go check out. But also that uh, anything that we speak about today is not to be construed as a recommendation in context here, right? So we may talk about concepts, we may mention stuff, but these are not individual recommendations. We always remind you, you should vet any of these ideas with the professional that you are choosing. And if you do not have one, you can see us after class. Right. So indeed. But for now, let's have a little bit of fun. We'll talk a little bit about money, which is what we do. Um, I should remind you know we haven't said this in a long time. Okay. You know the original name of this show, and I've, I've played with this, like whether or not we should stick with it, because um, I have two. There's this other theory that might be really fun. Both of them are interesting, right? This has been called the True Wealth Show for a long time. Do you know what we say about true wealth? Like what money is. It's how we trade our time. Yeah, money's yeah. how you trade your time. But true wealth is? How the experiences and relationships that you form. Exactly, the memories and relationships. Uh, it was said by, uh, I had a coach one time, and he said, look, uh, that money's how you trade your time, but true wealth is the stuff money can't buy and death can't take away. Exactly. It's kind of a, a cool phraseology. I can't take credit for it, but I can repeat it. Uh, and so, the, but the other one, I've thought about whether or not to rename the show is uh, the Ethical Capitalist Club, or just Ethical Capitalists. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about that a lot, too. So ethical capitalism, the concept that you don't need to have a losing party as the counterparty to a transaction, right? Right. Like, like what if you actually had transactions where everybody wins? And, and when I say everybody, I mean, like, including you don't have to destroy the environment and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, what if the greater good was achieved with capitalism? I actually think that that's very possible. I don't think it's built around altruism. I think it's built around people voluntarily putting a few guardrails on things and saying, yes, I could maximize profit, but part of that calculation shouldn't just be pure dollars and cents. It should include how does the impact ripple through the system. Mm -hmm. Now, that is not a kumbaya statement, nor is that me all of a sudden like coming unmoored from my fairly traditional conservative posture on stuff. That, I think that is a form of conservation when you think about conservative, mm-hmm. is if I win but it damages something else in the process and other people lose, I don't really win. Right. Right. So anyway, just kind of an interesting component to, to consider when you analyze all things going on because you look around and there's a bunch of stuff that it's just funky. And so Matt and I talked about what – what should we talk about today? Well, I think I have a good starting point. Okay. Yeah. So we ha- it's Tuesday, right? And we have our investment committee meetings on a Tuesday. Uh-huh. 
And we took actually a lot of time today to go through a lot of data. We did. It was almost a three-hour meeting this morning. It was. And we looked at a lot of data points. And then at the end, we summarized it and mm -hmm. kind of took away our highlights from what yeah. we researched. Which, by the way, if you are interested in that, you can sign up on our mailing list. So if you go to the webpage, littlejohnfs.com, you can get just the investment committee updates. Mm -hmm. So we, we do post those. Um, if you're interested. So I, I was thinking this might be a good opportunity for you to talk to our listeners a little bit about kind of the, some of the trends that we saw in 2022 mm -hmm. and then how we've seen things changing in 2023, maybe mm -hmm. looking at some of the different sectors that we've talked about and just kind of the shift that we've seen in the market to start the new year. Yeah. So 2023 is pretty shifty so far. It's been shifty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shift happens. So <laughs> we will... Maybe uh, unpack some of that shift yeah. here, and that'll be fun. Uh, and I also, you're going to hear me ask this throughout today. Uh, it's sort of the theme, uh, underlying theme of this, which is what could go wrong, right? If you hear me say that, Matt, that's my, mm -hmm. I'm asking Matt this. The idea here is some things we as investors can control, some things we can't. Right. And in the what could go wrong situation, it is, okay, well, what could go wrong and what might we as investors be able to potentially do that would mitigate things that were really outside of our control. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll we'll try to frame that in there as well today. But anyway, what are some of the big trends that uh, we are starting to really observe these days? Well, I think it's worth noting what did we see in 2022 yep. as a starting point, and I think what we saw largely was there was this rollover out of tech and tech got cheaper and cheaper as the year went on mm -hmm. and we saw investors flocking more towards utilities and staples where they felt a little bit safer in the marketplace yeah i would say flight to safety yeah was a we real saw that theme. that was the or theme. risk off if you've been listening yeah. to other financial media out there they say, oh it's risk on and it's risk off okay so kind of a generally risk off trend. and why is that like why would someone consider utilities or a staples like let's unpack that a little bit because a listener might not know what staples really mean sure well first we'll we'll talk about staples there's really two kinds okay the first kind of like puts paper together and kind of clips it <laughs> right uh the other one is a, the, kind the, the other one of. is a store that you walk into correct. and you can buy correct uh, I think we have one locally. Mm -hmm. uh, so then there's a third type. Now, staples are the things that are sort of necessities in life. Mm -hmm. And so the stuff you can't really things, go without. Yeah, you're going to continue to purchase them like food stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. You may do some substitution in terms of I need to get more bang for the buck and stretch my dollar. So I'm going to buy, you know, more beans and rice and less steak. OK, mm -hmm. there's a common. But the but food is a staple. Okay, mm -hmm. and some things like like the the rice thing that would be a a, a real staple is like you know everybody kind of keeps some in the pantry concept, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, I don't. Can you be allergic to rice? Somebody probably somewhere is, right? But you know, there's no gluten in rice, so that's that's Plan B. Usually. I'm safe. I'm safe. Anyhow, that's staples. So it's stuff people have to buy. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, the the opposite of staples is cyclicals. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, actually, they call them um, so discretionary consumer Con staples yeah, and consumer, consumer discretionary. discretionary. Cyclical is not that. So apologies, wrong definition. But a, a, a consumer discretionary is exactly like it sounds. Well, you could buy it, 
but you don't have to. Right. Okay. And uh, we talk a lot about wants and needs on this show. Maybe there's a little bit of a confusion for some, like, but I really need that new whiz bang. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay. What, what does that imply, though, if utilities and staples are um, – why would they be safe? Well, like when you think about utilities, no matter how bad the economy theoretically gets, right, you still kind of have to pay the water bill because you need to take a shower. So even if the economy is in turmoil, you're still paying your electric bill, you're still paying your water bill. So those utility stocks, right – Mm-hmm. should in theory be a place where you can go find some safety in the marketplace because the money flow continues even when things get sour. Right. I mean, it has to you basically have to have a shrinking population and a depression to really get to where people are turning the power off. Yeah. yeah like it has if to we're get, going to candles, we might have a bigger problem. Exactly. Exactly. If, you know, we have some kind of massive infrastructure hack right that mm-hmm. we talked about oh a bunch of our power companies get hacked and uh software hackers get in there and somehow or physical attacks well, but they shut them down and i oh, got an issue and i think a second piece is not only that but the the price stability right like you uh, an electric company can't just go jump their prices every single month right there's some regulation behind Correct. how much they can raise their rates so there's price stability also within that yeah because it's effectively a government sanctioned monopoly yeah right so if you think about it as the money is very very probable that it will continue to move in that direction Mm -hmm. and our economy works kind of because it has to right if everybody has to eat then at some point somewhere food must be produced and if food must be produced People are involved in doing that. And then there's a trade in order to convince them to give you food, right? So Mm -hmm. you have to provide some other kind of value. And then the economy sort of expands and ripples out from there. But it's this basic need to eat that keeps things going. Like if nobody had to eat anymore, really interesting. What would motivate the economy to keep going? Yeah. Right? You know, if if you didn't have the the basic physical needs of like safety and staying warm and being fed – uh, then the whole economy looks really different because it's much more discretionary in general. Right. But it turns out it's not. If you don't eat, then you're not part of the economy anymore, <laughs> literally. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. <laughs> then it's gonna keep the, the wheels are gonna keep turning. Uh, so does it mean that uh, when we say utilities are viewed as safe, does it mean they're safe? No, no, no. It really doesn't because it's still driven by supply and demand, right? right? If no investor is willing to own the stock of a utility mm-hmm. company, even though it's getting money to keep the bill, I mean, the stock could still drop in value. And theoretically, I guess in theory, it could go to zero if nobody was willing to own it. Just be really odd because here you have this producing entity right. that's got cash so flow the- and it looks good. And you're like, why does nobody want to buy this? Like, either everything else would have to be so good Right. That it wasn't worth it. But it comes back to like what we've talked about many times before. How many buyers do we have versus how many sellers do we have yeah. that are affecting the price? And if investors are looking at this and saying, hey, well, we made money here for a season, but look, technology is really ripping. They might be inclined to sell in that sector and go buy another sector. Yeah, I mean, so this is a really interesting thing. I mean, interesting enough, what I'm gonna suggest we do 
is like, you know, Let- hold it to the next segment and come back to it. Um, so why don't we take a break? Okay. And then when we come back, we're gonna unpack a little bit about like the trends change, right? Mm-hmm. Money, money is like it's like lemmings; it moves. But uh, we but- gotta go grab a stop first. So okay. stick around. We'll be right back. Uh, this is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You listen to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 12:40 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. On this, the best Tuesday you've had all week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, reminder, podcast, you guys, by now, you you know it. You know the story. You go to littlejohnfs.com. Now you can explore the entire new website and go on the hunt for the podcast. Uh, other fun things like uh, blog posts, which are starting to happen now. If you ever are curious about our opinions on uh, how the stock market is shaking, shaping up, there's some technical analysis and some other stuff floating around in there as well. Nerdy stuff. And then there's occasionally stuff that you might even find interesting. So check it out. I like it. All right, Matt. Yes. We were talking about, uh, well, I got to go back to the first segment. What were we talking about? Well, the the very beginning of the show or where we left off? Where do we leave off? Oh, well, we left off with talking about um, utilities and tech and how theoretically if an investor held utilities and then they saw the tech sector this year going up, they might have been inclined to sell positions mm. and then move. So this is a really fun one. I want to introduce our listeners to an interesting concept in money management. It's a little bit hocus pocus, but it's not. Mm. Okay, It's the concept of mean reversion. Okay. Okay. Now, mean, not like, you know, angry. But more like average. More like average, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, when I say mean reversion, what do you think of, Matt? I think of, well, this sector has lost 70% of its value. We're just, whatever that is. At what point are you tempted enough to buy it and then it starts going the other direction? Because how long is it theoretically going to suck for? <laughs> Let's talk about basketball for a second. Oh, okay. Okay. This one's kind of a, a fun tangent, but you know we could talk about. Can we sports. talk about free throws? Is that where we're going? Like, how many free throws can an eighty percent free throw shooter miss before they start going back to the mean of making eighty percent of their? So free throws? that's that, that's probably pretty good. Yeah, it was going to be a shooting analogy. It's this mm-hmm. idea of you know you have a player that normally shoots a pretty high percentage. Steph Curry. He's yeah, like 90%. Steph Curry, right? Yeah. He shoots super high percentage and has missed several in a row. Yeah, I'm going to bet on him making the next one. Well, the idea is, yeah, if you're normally an 80% shooter and you're shooting at 40%. For the game. yeah, For the whole game. That could continue for the whole game. It, yeah. Because in sports, it's like, boy, they're just having a rough game. Sure. But it's hard to go for the whole season. Yeah. Right? At some point, that tends to be the anomaly game if mm-hmm. typical is 80%. And so either something has permanently changed and it's never going back to 80% or it will have a tendency to track back to that average again. Mm-hmm. And that return to average is the same thing as this return to mean. Okay. Like the stock market doesn't like, like the historical rates of return for large company stocks, uh, depending on time frame, and you know, you can try to game it here, but, but close to about 10% per year. Mm-hmm. Before taxes or anything else are considered, right? So I've seen it as high as twelve point two percent to as low as you know eight percent. But let's say it is around ten. 
you have a market return year like 2022 when the S&P 500 at one point is down like 26, 28% at its extreme. Mm-hmm. That's well below the average return. Yeah. And at some point investors look at that and go, that just looks cheap. Mm-hmm. And then you start trying to rationalize it using all these different valuation methods, okay? And if that doesn't make sense to you, like don't think about it like stocks. Think about it like something you understand. Like Right. I don't know. The house down the street. That, well, yeah. I mean, a housing market's one where you go, well, how much is it worth? Was well, it a cost per square foot? Is it the cost for the number of bedrooms and bathrooms? Is it based on the lot size? Is it based on these other criteria? And then you can get more specific. You know, does it have granite or not? Does it have the hardwood floors? I, I don't hear everybody has a different sort of mechanism for how they're going to rationalize what they're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. But we could do the same thing with ketchup, right? How many ounces in the bottle? How much is somebody else charging, right? How much should the ketchup cost? Is it better ketchup or less? I'd say it's ketchup. There's not that much difference, right? So the point being that price discovery, people come up with different ways. A lot of the time they get to to a similar answer. Mm -hmm. And... Markets kind of are like that. It's like, well, if it's below cost for a long time, at some point you kind of expect it to recover to where it, you figure it would be. Again, unless something is broken. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and, and when you're looking at the, the major indexes, it's like, well, is the entire economy broken? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. I kind of think that's what happened in 2022, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, if, if you look after the fact, now we'll see. Like, this is the danger of making sort of prediction y mm-hmm. statements here, especially because remember, not advice or anything else. But let's play this game for a second. Let's do it. Matt, mm-hmm. we're standing right now today. Does the market this year end higher or lower than we are right now? It's probably going to be a little bit higher. A little if bit. If I had higher. to guess, yeah. Okay, so you want to give me percentages or numbers? And again, nobody's going to hold where you to this. Where did the S&P this. start the year? Do you remember? Um, it started the year. I have to go. Uh, yeah. I find it. Just yeah. give me a quick second here. Um, so if we look, I don't need 50 years. So it started the year at about 38.25. Okay, and today we finished at 41.64. Yep. And we started, say that again, 38 something? 38 and a quarter. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it would be crazy to see the year end around like 44, 45. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, and I'm, I kind of feel similarly that that's a number that, and where does it come from? Lots of places, actually. Sure. I mean, right? yeah. some of it's study of pattern movement and mm-hmm. pricing, some of it is extrapolation of, a multiple times a projection of earnings mm-hmm. for and, and earnings is an aggregate. So you take all the companies in the S and P 500 and they're all say, well, we think we're going to earn about this much per share per quarter. So for the year, here's what's going to kind of add up to. And in that number times a multiple yeah. spits out a projection. And so that's a, just another valuation method or a pricing model or whatever you want to call it. I think a lot of it really weighs on what does the fed do? Because right now, the Fed has been pretty optimistic looking forward. And they've talked about how they think inflation might kind of be you know, under control at the moment or coming into a place right, where it's, it's controlled. 
softening. Softening, yeah. And they've said, hey, well, maybe we only need a, another rate hike or two, and then we can kind of take the foot off the gas pedal and let things normalize. And I think we've seen the market really react in a positive way to that. Mm-hmm. And looking forward, if the the Fed continues in that path, well, that gives investors a reason to get on board with the markets. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, the Speaker of the Fed came out and said, I think it was today, that, well, the job market still is really, really hot. And if it's going to continue that way, maybe we need an extra rate hike or two. And so as the market tries to figure out what is going to happen in the future, we see these these price swings. Yeah. So now let me quiz you. Mm-hmm. After all that, let's talk about last year. Mm-hmm. What what was different about last year than right now? Well, last year we had P.E. ratios, so the price that you had to pay for a dollar of earnings. We had P.E. ratios that were historically really, really high. And we had just gone through this huge money printing cycle, and the cost to borrow money was almost nothing. So we incentivized people to spend, spend, spend. And it got to a point to where inflation reached its peak and stock prices kind of reached their peak. And then we saw the year kind of turn sour. And we lost 20-plus percent in the markets. Yeah. I mean, consider for a moment that the stock market is trying to look into the future. Mm-hmm. I think that's a hard thing for people to cons- like to stay true to is that the stock market doesn't live in the, the moment. It's living some distance into the future. Uh, it's hard because I think sometimes it looks way into the future mm-hmm. and other times it looks like all the way into 10 minutes from now. Right. It doesn't look that far and it changes. It really does. It, 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 that's a hard thing uh, because it's. And and I say that I don't even know that you can really validate that that's what's going on. It, but it sure acts. It seems that way, mm-hmm. right? Like the behavior is like, well, it looks like it's not looking at the very momentary data. Like the Fed's speaking right now. Look at the markets move, and and they you know jump around second by second. And then other times you go, well, this thing's pricing in six months from now or a year from now. Mm-hmm. So, I think what was interesting about twenty twenty two was that we did, we'd had this huge run up and lots of money was sort of handed out everywhere in response to COVID. And I'll just say it now. I mean, I realize it's it's armchair quarterbacking after the fact too, or Monday morning quarterbacking, but I think I've been pretty consistent about this. Try not to be a jerk about it, but I've said, I really disagreed with a lot of the policies and a lot of the things that were done during COVID. Mm-hmm. I still do, like, like after going through it, uh, it's not an I told you so moment so much as like my principles didn't really change through this one. I, I think it was an, an error in judgment to do the massive money printing with the no accountability thing. Uh, it, you're going to have a lot of trouble convincing me that that wasn't done for votes. Right. Oh, and yeah. I think there was a tremendous amount of long term damage that we will try to, you know, we've already been kicking a can down the road, but now we're like kicking like a keg down the road. Like we're well past a six pack. It's like a giant, <laughs> huge thing that we're trying to kick down the road. I'm like, you can break your toe kicking this thing. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it's getting. So I think that it, the market saw that the the Fed was in trouble, inflation wasn't going to be transitory. They saw the keg in the road. <laughs> and and they, yeah, they saw the keg and they said, okay. And, and it repriced accordingly. Mm-hmm. 
it lasted longer than I thought it would. But at the same time, there, there's, I mean, this is the weird hangup. Um, something unique is happening with this market right now, and we don't know for sure if this is how it's going to play out or not. But it could like really skew the statistics. Like the mean reversion thing could really not work this time. Are you talking about how the Fed put on a steel-toed boot and now they're kicking the keg <laughs> and it's just not hurting quite as bad? So no, I'm not talking about it. So here's here's what we'll do. Okay, I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking, all right, let's grab the break because we're kind of at that moment, and then we'll come back and I'm going to unpack a little about what's different this time. The steel-toed boot with bear markets. Oh, we'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 and 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang! Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. David and Matt in studio, talking about bear markets or bull markets. Bear markets. Oh, okay. Yeah, but not in the way you think. Bear markets. I mean, guess what? It's really tough to get positive about a bear market because they're going down. That's the definition, mm -hmm. right? Which, by the way, do you know why they call them bear markets? Because when a bear goes to attack, it rises up on its hind legs and, yeah, and then it drops down. Yep, drops its hands, where its arms down, and claws down. The at you. bull ducks its head and then gouges you on the upward swing. Yep. Yeah. That is true. That plus I've been hanging a, around you too much, David. Yeah, really big statue on Wall Street too. So they they're just committed to the bull. Mm. <clears throat> Anyhow, <laughs> it is a strangely awesome giant steel copper whatever bronze statue anatomically correct. <laughs> it's absurd. They need to add the bear in there and then like have the bull like gouging the bear with one of its horns or something. Yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> we need to make this a little more dramatic. Uh, so here's the thing that I think is interesting. P.S. Oh, by the way, right? Okay. I have no proof of what I'm about to say. It's entirely built on observations. Okay. I'm not shooting from the hip at all. I've been watching this for years, mm -hmm. and I have this working theory. Is it Dave Wave? <coughs> it's a little bit of Dave Wave. Okay. It's a little bit. Um, that's an inside joke, by the way, for technical analysts. Mm -hmm. um, but what what I see happening is... I'm tracking the speed at which information moves. Okay. Okay. And you just look over my lifetime. It went from uh, when you, people were still passing handwritten notes mm -hmm. and telephones had cords. And I remember TVs that were black and white. And then TVs became flat. Phones became cordless. And then they moved into your car. And then the phone moved onto your hip. And then the internet started to show up. And it ran over a phone line and made an obnoxious, terrible sound and ran at 2,400 bits per second, which was terrifyingly slow. And you could not do anything with today's modern Internet at that speed. Right. It would be like, oh, I'd like to load this picture. The Come back in of, an hour. The days of dial up. <clears throat> it was dial up. And I then it got faster days. all the way up to 14.4. Like, you know, then it got up to, I think, 28.8 was fast. Mm -hmm. Right, and then it was thirty six six or something, but it, it kind of capped out. Right, um, they they ca then he got DSL speeds, 
mm-hmm. which got faster. And then you got cable internet, which got faster. And then you started getting fiber optic internet. And then you started adding wireless. And then wireless got faster and went to 3G and then 4G. And now we're talking 5G broadband wireless signal. And now you have satellite wireless available virtually anywhere on the planet. Right. Information moves so fast, right? Something can be said in Washington, D.C., and a Twitter feed pushes it out. And within a couple of seconds, the entire world can see it, mm-hmm. right? You have global distribution in five, six seconds. Think about the speed at which information can move compared to four decades ago. Right. I, I think about the days when stockbrokers, 50 years ago, your stockbroker at Merrill Lynch, which doesn't exist anymore, Bank of America absorbed it, right? And it's basically gone. But Merrill Lynch stockbrokers had an information advantage over the general public. They got data other people didn't have, and you could actually profit by making trades with them. And you could profit because stocks were traded in eighths, right? Not in pennies. You didn't pay $40 for a stock. You paid $40 in an eighth, right? And so there was always a spread in the transaction, Mm -hmm. always. And today, it's fractions of a penny, and it's instantaneous. There's not... I mean, like the the Merrill Lynch broker, again, fictional today, doesn't have an information advantage. As a professional stock investor, I don't have different information than the consumer does about price or news articles and so forth. What we might have is different information about order flow, Mm -hmm. right? Where is the money moving in the system? We might have different information about how to pull everything together and chart it and plot it against other variables so that we can we can compare that information more freely against other things. So we have more robust tools as professionals. And we also know where to look. That's a big piece. Right? Like like if you want to fix your car and you don't have the right tools, then you're stuck. You may need to end up going to a garage because somebody else has tools you don't have. It, that still happens. Mm-hmm. But somebody doesn't necessarily have more knowledge than you about how to fix the vehicle. They just have better tools because that's the environment they live. But you know what? Heck, try to go scan your car for a, a code, right? That's when, it, when your system throws something off. You'll quickly understand without the right diagnostic equipment, you're sort of dead in the water anyway. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the right blueprints and ways to... I mean, like, there's a whole a whole bunch of things. And, and it parallels investing it really does so you know i i say this to just suggest that it's not about the information advantage necessarily it's about having the right tools but why the speed of that information to take it all the way back to my original point it's it moves so fast now i believe that market cycles and economic cycles are also faster Right. Right. So if you look at the last several bear markets and look at the length of recessions in economies, but you also look at the fiscal tools and the way that the Federal Reserve is now interacting with the markets, I just see things getting compressed. Like, I don't think it takes two years to work through a recession if you use more aggressive policy tools quicker 
and do what the Fed is doing, which is they distribute the message immediately. I think it echoes through the system quick. So, you know, you don't have to go through a three-year skid for the economy, for the ship to right itself. You know, prices get priced in really quick. Mm-hmm. And then you see stocks, like last year, you know, tech stocks fell like 70 80%. Right. I mean, I see what you're saying. You got to think, too, like if information is traveling faster, the Fed is getting data faster. They're Everybody able to is. react faster. Yes. And investors are able to react to that news. Mm-hmm. And then we get that exchange of information back and forth because does the Fed really want to see the markets destroyed? Right. Yeah. Like, it, Is it in anyone's best interest? It, that's I get back to this all the time. It's not. Like, here's the thing. Consider for a moment any of these things. If it's not in somebody's best interest, then they typically don't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, sometimes people are like, like – Principally, I disagree with them. Like they, one of the issues that I have, and I can just say this, right? Like I'm not going to throw rocks at uh, Joe Biden to throw rocks at Joe Biden. I'm going to say I'm going to throw rocks at the fact that the policies you stand for are things that I don't principally agree with. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they'll work, and I don't like that. And so I don't support the policies. And and we tend to just be associative policy to the person, right? Because that's most of our political figures are caricatures, right? Like nobody really knows Joe Biden, like hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people really do, but the, most of us out of, we don't know Joe. He's, he's like, you can't pick us out of a lineup, right? Right. So that's not the issue. But I know that the policies and what he stands for, I'm like, well, I largely don't agree with it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I don't think it'll work. I don't think there's a, a demonstrative case that it has been working. And I know that in politics, it's really easy to data fit. Oh, look, I can claim victory over this one. Most of the time, they had nothing to do with it. It's true. Right? Like, oh, yes. Oh, look at the unemployment rate. Ha ha. Beat my chest like I did that. Oh, spare me. Mm-hmm. Please. I mean, the people hiring and firing do that. You know, maybe you move some of the red tape around to make one industry get a little more advantage than another. But let's just Not spare ourselves for, the hyperbole. Yeah. yeah. And yet people get sucked into it because hey my team thump my chest i'm gonna go vote you know just it drives me bananas that we we put data points out there that we know get an emotional response from people but they're just not really connected like the correlation and causation aren't the same there's a correlation between unemployment and the fact that biden's in office Mm -hmm. but i don't know that biden what he's doing has any causation on it Right. Yeah. So correlation and causation are the same thing. Whatever. I don't I don't know why I had to go on that other than stay the unions on my mind tonight. I'm just waiting to hear somebody take credit for stuff they didn't do and blame somebody for things they didn't do. Oh, it'll happen. That's it, the we can guarantee time. It. And it'll happen on both teams. Right. Mm-hmm. Biden's going to roll out his red carpet speech about rah, rah, rah. And then the opposing parties bringing out. Um, Sarah Huckabee, I believe, is the response, and you know they're going to throw rocks. So, oh yeah, it'll be the same thing it's been for a while. And I guess I'm just jaded, or maybe it's just time to speak more freely. How about that one? I can't, you know it's you've dangerous. seen the dance enough times though. It, I have, right? I have. I mean, it's like I think I mentioned this earlier. It's sort of like immigration reform. There's not been a day in my lifetime that I can remember that there hasn't been discussion about the need for immigration reform mm-hmm. on both parties, right? Like, since we really only have two parties, I mean, yes, we have that are relevant, we get it. 
and yet it's never addressed. And I can only conclude that it's not addressed because it's not useful to address it. Right? Both parties benefit from the chaos, so why fix it when you can make the other team look bad with it? Mm -hmm. And so nobody does anything. And so I, I, at some point, the you know the jaded alarm goes off, and I go, I don't think anybody's being served here other than politics itself. So the body politic wins by keeping everybody at each other's throat over something they have no intention of fixing. Right. But they'll quickly point out the flaws. Isn't that funny how it works? Well, yeah, and and then you start to and get sad. well, and and you see folks run out of patience with it, right? So you're seeing like in Texas, they're busing people to other areas of the country and saying, mm -hmm. "Why don't you try this on and see how it feels?" And all of a sudden, people are aggrieved by it, like, "What are you doing?" Mm -hmm. You know, the problem is real, right? Mm -hmm. And it is there is a human impact, and it, we it'd be great if we could address it, right? And and I have plenty of ideas. It's just they largely kind of fall on deaf ears and they're not even mine i mean other people have better ideas than me because they study this a lot and it's just funny that we can't get anything done yeah well it amazes me that there are people that so uh completely disagree with me like a 180 degree difference like you know what we shouldn't have borders at all to which i go but if we don't have borders at all then we don't really have any sovereignty and i don't know how you would keep the system stabilized You're like well we should just let the system fail I'm like oh, so anarchy doesn't really work mm -hmm. but but you can't even convince somebody of that because you know they're they're sort of in this you know false utopian vision of what it would be you know well how do i communicate with this person that's sort of tuned out the idea because there's this fantasy projection in their head that it will be like this and, you know human nature won't work that way Right, the productive people will quit if there's no reward in it for them. Mm -hmm. They will. I'm telling you guys. Like those either. No, here's the thing. All like pretty much all of our listeners are going. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and then I there's like, so. and if you disagree with you, you're like, you better record that, guys. If you ever tries to run for office, I'm gonna play this back to people. And I'll go. Yeah. Well, I don't know why anybody run for office these days. Yeah, you just get lambasted. Well, you, you know, everybody's mad about something. They blame you. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're like blaming Biden for the whole economy. And I go, well, a bunch of policies are terrible. And then at the, at the other side of somebody's mouth, they go, but Biden's just a puppet. Okay, so how can you blame Biden if he's a puppet? Blame the people behind the puppet then, mm -hmm. right? Like, come on. <laughs> like, like, pick what you're going to pick here, but let's be fair. <laughs> or let's, be, let's get real. Consistent. Maybe that. Let's just get real. <laughs> So I don't know why this had to go on such a diatribe today, uh, other than therapy, maybe? Well, do you feel better? Because if so, then this was a complete success. Maybe. Okay. I, I, I think every now and then there's a little bit of a rant because it does spill into the marketplace. It, oh, it right? absolutely does. And so like when, when people go, gosh, you really kind of get charged about this. It, well, it's so connected to our livelihoods. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we said this. Let's let's do this. I'll say this before we hit the break, which is the 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 issue is that Washington doesn't want to cooperate with the Fed, and so the Fed's been trying to do the dirty work of propping up the economy, and they've also said, "All right, we're at the point. This is what it's going to be. If DC doesn't do its part, then we can worry about watching it catch on fire." Ooh, fire, fire. So tell me more. All right, well, look, let's take our last break. Okay. So we'll grab that. We'll come back, and um, we'll kind of try to wrap this all up in a bow here, and uh, I'll try to get off of my soapbox. So. 
Okay. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show, uh, where we have been talking about all kinds of stuff. Matt, yeah. what's the takeaway of the day? Is there a takeaway? You know, we did talk a lot about how money can move in and out of different segments of the marketplace. So right. we kind mean of, reversion. Yeah, we talked about that. And then we went on a really long tangent talking about... I'm gonna let you fill in the blank on that <laughs> yeah. one. Well, I mean, there was a yeah, some political rant that occasionally happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the biggie is just that the 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 markets are. Well, we talked about the speed of information. We talked about how it is. All of this was sort of around this idea that it's possible that the worst really is in the rearview mirror. Right. If there was a summary to the show at the end of all this, we talk about it and go, "Where are you going with this?" So you know, every I get a lot of people that are convinced that uh, this is a false rally and that the markets need to decline from here and go significantly lower. And if you look through a certain lens, you can get to that conclusion, okay? But my suggestion is that that's pretty pessimistic. And if one of the parts of your working theory is simply that, well, this has to happen because historically this has happened before, then I would say, hold up, stop the press. Because we're living in an environment that doesn't really look like before in a lot of ways. Like what are like off the top of your head, Matt? Name just a few things that you think are different in today's economy than say thirty years ago. Mm, well, we did talk about how information moves a little bit faster. A lot bit faster. Um, fractional shares weren't always a thing. Um, sure. So that's kind of changed. They kind of live in the mutual fund world, but you can do it with stocks now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Online brokers. Yeah. Right. Whole lot more access. So uh, the retail space has a lot more access than they've had at any point. Cryptocurrency didn't exist that long ago. Did not exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, Technology as a percentage of our economy, very, very different. I would say the day trader is a new addition to the market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the economy itself. Oh, the economy, not just Uh, the market. Not just the stock market. But like when I think about. Uh, the I S&P 500 is like 40% tech well, now. It, I was going to say, if we're talking just economy, technology is driving the economy, whereas before it was more... Like manufacturing. Yeah, was absolutely. a lot more significant. We were making things and selling things. Yeah, and, now and it's and not we, necessarily things, it's ideas and right. the ability to distribute those ideas. Yeah, and it, this can drive some people nuts when I say this, but a lot of it's been globalized too. Mm-hmm. So, so A big boom in the communications yep. area. And, and the but the suggestion is that economies continue to change and evolve. Right? What, here's here's a good way to sum it up. What used to be a filing cabinet is now a cloud. <laughs> yeah. Right. Although those existed too, right? What you know, it used to be a terminal into a mainframe, and mm-hmm. now it's a um, it's the cloud. Yeah. Right. And so, it, but it's just it's interesting to me the way these things constantly evolve. I would suggest that the economy looks different than it used to. It does not have to go down, right? It's mm-hmm. possible the market's looking forward and saying, the Fed has maybe pulled this thing off. If a soft landing occurs, then the price may be reflective of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That's not a recommendation and it's not a guarantee. I'm just saying. Last one of the day, our faux financial term of the day. What have we got, Matt? 
I think one of them was parent depreciation. Parent depreciation. Do you have a definition? I'm going to let you go first on this one. I know you do. Well, parent depreciation, I feel like, is when the parents decide that they're just going to spend what's in their retirement accounts and they're like you know what these kids they don't need any type of inheritance we're going to spend it we're going to depreciate that account parent depreciation so you're saying spending the assets Mm -hmm. and leaving no inheritance yes it's a pretty good one uh the other one parent depreciation um how your kid feels when you take their phone (laughs) (laughs) all right we're out of time how do they reach us matt give us a phone call at 541-375-0898 or email us at info at littlejohnfs.com all right until next time this has been dave littlejohn and matt dixon we'll see you later the preceding program was paid for by little john financial services the opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of brook communications its affiliates or its employees